Hello, everybody, and welcome to Two Geeks and One Noob, where we gather friends of similar interests and maybe not so similar and discuss, joke, learn more about, and generally have fun with geek culture. Today, I'm going to throw it over to my, my guys here. We're talking about a topic that only Dan understands, anime. (laughs) (laughs) Specifically, we are going to be going over our anime villain Mount Rushmore. We've done a number of Mount Rushmore episodes so far, and this one's going to be a little different because Dan doesn't have the experience with anime. So it's, it's kind of a two geeks, one noob version of the Mount Rushmore with us kind of explaining these characters to Dan and why they stood out to us because i got no clues (laughs) it's almost like this is on brand for us (laughs) (laughs) right it's been a minute since we've gotten to a full-on two geeks one noob episode yeah most of us have a a pretty good understanding of the the previous things that we've talked about Mm -hmm. except for uh the marvel one for for david i I feel like that was on this line a bit (laughs) yeah yeah but it's kind of the point. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say that uh, that you guys have piqued some interest in in anime for me a little bit here and there. Uh, I've been wanting to watch some some stuff here that you mentioned, like My Hero Academia and and stuff like that. But um, I'm I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say for your villains because I'm. Yeah. I'm definitely interested in hearing yeah. it because <laughs> the rogue gallery has always been one that like stands out to me. And so if there's not a good villain, the yeah. characters, the heroes ultimately mean nothing. Like if Goku didn't have the villains he has, he would be one of the most boring anime characters ever. <laughs> it's yep. like eat, sleep, fight, repeat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, um, Kamina has kind of proven that one wrong. Now, yes, it, it took. <laughs> the majority of our lifetime to get to that point but yeah 30 years later that was only with what like a 10 plus year gap from the majin buu saga to when battle of the gods came out so (laughs) so yeah um well david why don't you start this one off all right yeah so my number one is uh well it's hard to say it's a singular villain um, it's the Laughing Man from uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Um, <coughs> so, if you're unfamiliar with the series, it's very much kind of dystopic, cyberpunk. The Laughing Man, as I said, more of a concept than an individual person. Um, That's the one with uh, ScarJo, right? <laughs> <laughs> Technically, yes. <laughs> Technically, yes. <laughs> Technically correct is the best kind of correct. <laughs> Continue. If I was within striking distance of David, I would have copped one just then. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I already got a not-so-family-friendly gesture, so... <laughs> Depends on how it was interpreted. <laughs> it's true. Anyway... So the Laughing Man is, um, he's equivalently a, a cyberpunk version of the Unabomber. <laughs> he, uh, he'll, uh, he'll super, he, he disguises himself with this very bizarre avatar. Um, so anytime he's in public, he's able to map, map it to himself. So he's, he's very proficient at, at cybercrime, but it's a very, 
futuristic world. Yeah. And so they can do different holograms and projections and stuff to kind of mask who they actually are. And so oh, that, okay. that's like, it's very like, very, it's very like futuristic cyberpunk esque. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm picturing some, like basically, um, uh, ready player one kind of thing where you, like you can kind of go in as it's someone else. A little bit more advanced than that. Well, yeah, yeah, but like it, it, it's, it's more it's like the, the inverse of that. that holographic into. over the the yeah. physical body. Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's not just hacking into security systems. He's hacking into people's minds so they see him as he wishes to be seen. Oh mm-hmm. wow! So it's kind of Ready Player One VR in reverse. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so one, just that whole concept of that's how they show off how advanced and how capable he is as a villain Mm -hmm. but secondly a lot of the um a lot of the thought behind the series comes to fruition because of his involvement Mm -hmm. so it's it's not so much just a hey look entertaining villain as far as entertainment goes he's actually rather bland Hmm. um but as far as how he is written how he's uh, his capability but also the fact that he spurs on this this crisis for sector uh, sector nine of not just he kind of shifts the tables on him where it's, it gets them wondering like, hang on, are y'all actually going for the common good or have we already let the genie out of the bottle and that's gone? Mm-hmm. Um, so as a villain, I would say that's why I'm, I'm putting him on here because he, he genuinely tries to flip the table, not in a gaslighting way, but more in a way of like, okay, what is it exactly that you're saying you're still defending? Yeah. You say you're here for humanity. Hello? I'm literally typing into your brain to make sure you see me as something else. Huh. <laughs> yeah. That's so, crazy. What humanity? <laughs> mm. So just conceptually and just the way he's pre- presented, I've got to go with Laughing Man. Nice. Mm-hmm. It, it almost kind of makes me think of um, Baron Zemo from uh, uh, Avengers Civil War where he's like kind of turning themselves on each other because a little bit. bit, Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely like getting in their minds and messing with their thought process and making them kind of forcing them to see things from his perspective. Yeah. And it's kind of messing with them too, where they're having to like take a step back and look and be like, am I seeing what I'm seeing? seeing seeing? Am I, am I having my own thoughts? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So, so it definitely adds in that head trip layer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, 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 wait, psychic. What was real? What wasn't? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So nice. like, yeah, I no, that's a great pick to start things off with. Cause again, he has written so incredibly well. And it's like, like you said, you're right. Like as far as the entertainment value is concerned, he has written kind of blandly, but it's the actual storytelling and the development that's mm-hmm. like just top tier. Like yeah, there's yeah. a reason why this show, like while while it may not have the following of like a Dragon Ball Z or something like that, there's a reason why its fan base is as passionate as it is. Mm. Yep, and longstanding. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean the series came out in what oh two, something like that. Yeah. So the clarification between the ser- series and the movies. Mm-hmm. Movies are good in their own rights for very different reasons. Yeah. The series was trying to take the characters originally started in the movie taken to manga and then trying to say, okay, we want them to portray the the storylines from the manga, but at the same time, we want this to be something more approachable by a wider audience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so it still de- deals with a lot of the more uh, ma- mature philosophical themes mm-hmm. with a lot of the, uh, uh, with a lot of the mature 
visual themes removed. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well said. Well said. Fantastic start for the list. So <laughs> my first pick, I went in very different direction than David. <laughs> and my first pick is just absolutely bananas. Okay. <laughs> and that is Kid Boo from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> The reason, yep. right. I, the reason Kid Buu stands out to me so much is up until this point, all of the villains have had a plan or a purpose. And mm-hmm. so Frieza was trying to control the galaxy. He was taking over planets and selling them for his own profit, leading an army, trying to build up his army while building up his own individual strength. Cell was brought into this world to for the sole purpose of killing Goku, and he decided to make it an entertainment factor for himself by making the tournament and challenging all kinds of other fighters and putting it out worldwide. And he's like, if you think you can fight me, good luck. Welcome yeah. to try. Whereas Kid Boo is just this absolute monstrosity. He is has the mind of a child. He doesn't speak. He doesn't think. He doesn't plan. He is just a toddler on a rampage. Oh wow! And it, it's like it's one of those villains that's like th- it felt like there was more legitimate consequences with some of the things he was doing because mm-hmm. like we, people die in Dragon Ball Z all the time. Planets get destroyed, right? <laughs> yeah. Kid Boo is the only villain that not only killed numerous heroes in the series but found a way to teleport to the planet of the dead, which is their equivalent of heaven, basically, uh-huh. and was about to destroy it had Goku and Vegeta not powered up because he was just so determined to find them and fight them. He was just teleporting from planet to planet where he sensed powerful energy. Ooh. And he happened to go to the heaven planet and was just about ready to destroy it. And had that been destroyed, all the dead characters would have been dead dead. There wouldn't be a way to resurrect them because their bodies were gone because mm-hmm. of yep. it. So... Wow. It was just this like crazy villain. And it, it like, whereas like Frieza in the end was beaten by just Goku. Cell was beaten by just Gohan. He did have the help from the other Z fighters, but like they were more so distracting Cell mm-hmm. and less doing the fighting because they're like Cell was legitimately shrugging off their attacks. So yeah. it's like, it wasn't a big deal. But for this, like it took Goku, Vegeta, Fat Boo, Hercule, and entire galaxy worth of people sending their energy to Goku to defeat Kid Buu in the end. It's just like this absolute crazy villain. It's like very much do I look like a guy with a plan, except he couldn't actually say it. Right. (laughs) That's kind of what stood out to me, because like I'm in the camp that I think Frieza was a boring villain. Mm. I know I am very much in the minority as far as the Dragon Ball Z fans are concerned. Um, That's the only villain I really know. So (laughs) it's like because my issue with Frieza is that I don't think he was a good villain. He is just present for a a very pivotal moment in the series. And so I don't think that being present for the pivotal moment inherently makes him a good villain. Mm -hmm. He was a really boring villain, in my opinion, whereas Kid Buu, it was legitimately like, what is he going to do? Does he even know what he's going to do kind of thing? So like, that's what really, (laughs) right. And that's what really stands out to me with a villain is like, if that unpredictability like, you always know Frieza is going to get angry, yell stupid monkeys, and do an attack. Yeah. <laughs> you, you honestly don't know what's going to happen with Kid Buu. Yeah. So that that's why he stood out to me, is just that unpredictability, the power, the fact that it took so many people stepping up and fighting. And like, yeah, that's that just really stood out to me for the character. Nice. Could you imagine Team Four Star doing the... Uh... Any of the Buu storylines? I, I wish they had. Be it Majin I, I... or Kid. I, I wish they had done it. I understand why they didn't. I do. True. 
I really wish they had done it though, because I like because it's like most of that arc is kind of a spoof as it is, oh, and so yeah. doing a spoof of a spoof would just be ridiculous. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, no, like Kid Boo is just yeah, he he just stands out in such a big way, and he's like he was always one of my favorite villains growing up, and all of the Dragon Ball Z games I would play as him any chance I got. Mm. So it's like he's just always been one of those characters. that's like hey, that's him. Yeah, <laughs> I have to say I really like how. The, there was a like ginormous difference between the two <laughs> two of you. It was like, oh yeah, I've got meticulous planning and manipulation, and and then it's just degaff, <laughs> just complete chaos. Okay, yeah. already then. Chaos. I guess we know which way we're going here. <laughs> there are some uh, like most of the villains I really enjoy are really well written, but like I said, Kid Boo is just like that unpredictability. Yeah, just put him at the top. For me personally, just because anytime a villain is unpredictable and you don't know if the hero can actually win, that's a scary villain for mm-hmm. me. Yep. Yeah. Joker for Batman is always a. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That kind of thing where it's just like, okay, he just did something really wacky, but then he just did something real serious. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's yeah. like, okay. All right. fact, it's like, and like, and I think it helps that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the fact that Kid Boo doesn't speak adds to the character oh, yeah. for me because like all you ever hear a is just basically like this monkey grunting when he's fighting and stuff like that but like when he teleports to the heaven planet and is just holding up his arm with this massive energy ball mm. above him just and it's just this like anger in his eyes not saying a word and he's just standing there staring at them like it, like in his it, mind he knows what he's about to do and he knows the fear that they are fearing a feeling and that they can't stop him yeah no but there's no words being said because he doesn't need to say anything. Mm. Yeah, I, I think what you're going at with the, the silent antagonist, it definitely adds to the villainy. Yeah. It, it's not just this. I that that's probably the crux of it right there, where it's the I don't need to say anything. Mm-hmm. It's I'm showing you just how much I don't care about you. Yeah. Well, it's also oh. the the idea of the typical villain in most movies and TV shows and stuff. They're always monologuing. They're always. Mm. You know, I was about it's, to it's start quoting Incredibles. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Incredibles, you know, conundrum of like, yeah. okay. You slide on. You, you got, got me monologuing. monologuing. Yep. <laughs> exactly. That whole situation is like, it is trying to be all cool and, and villainy and all that, but you're just giving the hero time to figure out how to beat you. Right. Exactly. Yep. And <laughs> I will say that, like, on another note, Kid Boo is also the only villain in any series ever that I have seen fall asleep in the middle of the big fight. Oh, yes. No. <laughs> he's just standing there upright, head off to the side, bubble coming out of his nose, <laughs> dead asleep. And they're just sitting there like, guess this is our, this is our moment to figure out a plan. What do we do? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, just that unpredictability. He very much is just a child. It's like, oh, yeah. that time. <laughs> <laughs> Power nap. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's on to my number two. Yep. Okay. Bathroom's in there. Okay, thank you. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> After these messages. I had the same thought. <laughs> All right, so my second choice is uh, Vicious from Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is kind of an in-between between our, our number ones. Mm-hmm. Vicious isn't this, I'm trying to make you think. It's He's also not this, I mean, he, there's some calculus to what he's doing. But it's 
I mean, vicious is, as his namesake implies, he's vicious. Mm -hmm. His entire point is, no, I want what you have. Oh, wow. I want what you have, and I'm going to do whatever I can to get it. Um, So, I mean, he's, in a way, he's kind of the stereotypical mob boss. Mm -hmm. But um, the way it plays out in the final, final episode, he's very much laying out, like, Everything I've ever done was just to take from you what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really paints a fuller picture. I mean, because he is the villain and that is his MO, it paints a fuller picture of the series <laughs> as a whole. Yeah. Where it's more of, no, 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 this whole series is about loss. It's about mm. dealing with it. Yeah. It's about standing up again. Mm-hmm. Um, I get knocked down. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he's, his entire plan is poignantly vindictive. Yeah. If for no other reason, then I don't like you. Hmm. Um, it's not quite full on spite driven, but pretty not far close. from it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, just real real quick something. It's funny because every villain you've mentioned so far, I've been going back in my my uh, catalog of of superheroes and <laughs> and all this stuff. Of, like, my condolences. <laughs> <laughs> of like who these people remind me of. So obviously, you know, I've I've already mentioned the ones that rem- you guys have reminded me of. But this one kind of brought out one that. uh it's kind of a strange one, a very, very obscure one is uh, Tina Greer from Smallville. Yeah. Where Ooh. she's she's obsessed with Lana. She wants her life. So she becomes Lana. Yeah. And like tries to steal her life from her. So it's yeah. just yeah. I don't know why that kind of just in made a, me think that way. But in a sense, yeah. Um, I mean, he, Vicious still wants to stay vicious. But at well, the same yeah. time, he wants everything Spike has has had mm-hmm. up to this point. He wanted to stay vicious. It's just he he realized that it's like he had no autonomy of his own to actually decide for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, he he knows his skill set, and he he's driven for it to use those skills yeah. to use his ability. But anything he does towards Spike, towards the rest of the rest of the crew, is strictly because he wants what they have. Yeah, simple as. Mm-hmm. Nice. He wants that camaraderie. He wants that family. He wants... I mean, the whole thing kicks off because he wanted the love interest. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's... We all want to be loved. <laughs> he, he's... He's, in some ways, a very serious caricature of jealousy. Mm. Um, so, yeah. A vicious jealousy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's almost like he was named intentionally. Nah, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I like that one. That was a good one. Yep. Oh, my next pick, I went with Pain from Naruto. And he is a very interesting character to me because he's one of those that's like kind of you understand what got him to the point of being where he is and why he's doing what he did. He obviously went to an extreme with it, kind of Thanos-esque, where it's like he saw a problem and decided, I am going to kill people to solve this problem. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously not the right choice. But um, he's also like, so to give some of the backstory, 
he is like his true name is Nagato and it, he him and two other kids from his village were trained by one of the like really key characters in the show called Jiraiya and like he trained them and raised them up and they became villi- uh, ninja for their own village and kind of semi leaders and they were in the middle of this really big battle and one of the characters sacrificed himself to save the other two because mm. the person they were fighting did a lot of like poison based attacks and stuff. And so it's like they were very much in a point that's like it, it, it they were very stuck in a corner. They they were kind of holding their own. But this guy was so strong that it's like, OK, there's no way for all of us to make it out of this alive. Yeah. And so one of the guys s- sacrifices himself to save the other two. And this just makes Nagato so like angry and hurt that he gets to the point where he's just basically like, okay, all of the people that are doing these different things are part of the problem. Mm. And I'm going to wipe those people out. And he becomes the leader of this big organization, which is like the driving force behind the main antagonist side of things throughout the majority of Naruto. And he, um, it's like, it's also like he is, he brings in the first real consequences in the series. Mm. Like we we've seen some characters die here and there, but most of them were really just side characters. There's like one character that's really popular and has been built up and like written well, but he wasn't like a super common character. He was always kind of seen in passing. We didn't really get to see him often. And, uh, but he was still a really popular character, but that was like the biggest death up to this point. Mm. But pain killed multiple really key pivotal characters in the series. He kills off, Spoiler alert, for, but I mean, the show's been out for a long time, so what are you guys doing? Right. <laughs> he kills off Jiraiya, who is like the main driving force, trained Naruto. He is like the like a lot, the kind of the go-to guy for a lot of things in their village. Anytime a really difficult, important mission is needed, Jiraiya is the name that they per- they say. Mm-hmm. They he, they all they heavily rely on Jiraiya. Okay, and so he gets killed by pain. Pain shows up at the village and he's just floating above it. The village has is no idea what's going on. And he's just floating there. He goes off on this monologue, which is a fantastic monologue. And the voice actor that they picked for it was fantastic. Yeah. Like that was a beautiful casting choice for the character. <laughs> Cause that the voice that he has with the monologue is so imposing and terrifying. Uh, but he's just floating there, goes on the monologue and then he just holds out his arms and says, almighty push. And this massive shockwave that starts from where he is and just goes out in this big bubble and it just devastates the village. Oh my. And he mm. basically just lifted his arms and wiped out an entire village. Ooh. And all of these other characters are showing up and trying to fight and fend him off, the ones that survived. And it's like a Kakashi, the first guy that trained Naruto and his crew, dead. Tsunade, the leader of the village, not quite dead, but not far from it other key characters are like bleeding and heavily injured and like on the ground, like this genuine fear of like, are all of these characters going to die? And in the end, like so the characters within the village, like end up getting brought back through some anime garbage. Um, <laughs> but like, it, it was one of those moments is like, this is the first time we've seen full on consequences mm-hmm. and it's the same character that's doing it. Yeah. And it's like, he saw pain and he had other different pain robots that were fighting alongside him um and like he the so like they initially thought that the main body of pain was the really strong one and the other ones were just kind of puppets that mm-hmm. were being controlled by him it turns out none of them were the real body 
oh, even geez. the strongest one that they were all struggling with, that was the body of the guy that sacrificed himself several years ago. And Nagato is off in a distant area controlling that body and all of the others simultaneously by himself. Oh, wow. And just funnish, funneling all of his strength through them. And it's like, okay, all of these guys who have done all these crazy things and killed so many people, those are just puppets. Yeah. And like the real body was severely damaged and weak. And so like that guy couldn't actually fight, but he had so much power that he was controlling the puppets with minimal effort and did as much damage as he did. And again, it had those consequences, which in the end he ends up doing this magic attack, this not magic attack, this ninjutsu that ends up sacrificing his life and brings back the people in the village that he had killed. But Mm. There was still the fact that like Jiraiya was gone. There was a stretch where was, everyone thought Kakashi was gone, and he's like everyone's favorite character in the show, just about. <laughs> so it was just this these consequences and this the fact that it's like he he was built up from someone who we sympathized with and we saw being trained and understood why he got to the point where he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dang. sounds like a lot of yours are like. They they have the consequences. They have the the deaths yeah. on their hands and right. and stuff yeah. like that. That's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, the the when there's actual consequences, that's like something that really stands out to me, especially yeah. with a villain, because it's like, like especially in like Dragon Ball, for example, it's like death never lasts. Right, it yeah. just doesn't. But but like, when that when it does, or when it like when there's when a, there's that potential, it's like like wiping out heaven for yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like. Like the the actual consequences behind the things, like that's something that definitely stands out to me. Yeah, yeah and then you're only left with Heffel. Heffel yes. for infinite losers. Well, technically, those were on the same planet, so that would have been wiped out as well. Oh, okay. <laughs> so sorry to sorry to say this again, but the kind of like when you started uh, explaining it, for some reason it reminded me of uh, Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes. Mm, okay, where like they were kids growing up together. Yeah. And like there was a battle, and the yeah. the trainer was killed, and then Storm Shadow went off and like yeah. became the leader of this big thing, and yeah. yeah so well, it was it's interesting <laughs> too because like both Nagato and his friends and Naruto are trained by Jiraiya, and it is very much that similar thing with Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, where it's like Naruto went on the good side of things where Mm -hmm. he's like he wanted to save people he wanted to help people he was angry that his master had been killed but he wanted to protect and and help the people he cared about whereas nagato just basically said i'm gonna remove all of the threats that could potentially hurt the people i care about so that i don't even have to worry about it anymore Mm -hmm. yep little does he know the people that are closest to him are the ones that can hurt him the most Oh wait, no. That's... Funny thing about that is one of the people he had in his organization was actually like the turncoat, the turncoat <laughs> behind him. Like they didn't actually betray him, but like it, so in Naruto, they have like these basically magic eyes. There's like three different forms of them, and the eyes that Naruto had are said to be the strongest. And the mm-hmm. guy that was like just basically waiting for him to die the whole time goes in and steals his eyes after he dies and it's like that was my goal the whole time i don't i i mean someone else took care of you for me so that's cool but yeah. this was my plan the whole time <laughs> scavengers pretty much <laughs> so in light of how the previous previous uh mount rushmore episodes have gone and where we're constantly like well crap that was my number four or whatever um 
Caleb and I compared notes beforehand. <laughs> and humorously, not only did we both have this character on here, we both had this character at the, at the exact same point in our list. Yep. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Medusa Gorgon from uh, Soul Eater. She is one of those characters that is written so incredibly well yep. in this series. And it's like just the build up to her character, the fact that she seems so like unimposing and just kind of there initially. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, as you go through the story and find out just how powerful and how threatening she truly is, it's like, and then the fact that she's just there hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Very yep. much a wolf in sheep's clothing the entire time that she's present in the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So her being that insider threat, being the, being the person, not, not just having agents in the agency, being the agent in the agency. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. in this one, in Soul Eater, the premise revolves around a school <laughs> of students that are meisters and weapons. The, and so the meister and the weapons are paired up together, and the, the kids that are weapons have the ability to turn into weapons. And they have a meister that they synchronize with in combat, and they have to like have some sort of bond together in order to actually fight and, uh, okay. and whatnot. It's a, and, it, it is a... The Wink Saga. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, a little bit. Um, it's, it, it is a spiritual connection between yes. the two. Yeah. yeah. And she is the nurse of this school. And this nurse is, this school not only is filled with Meisters and weapons, both on the student and the faculty level, but it is run by Death, by himself. Death him, the Grim Reaper himself. Oh my gosh. And he is yeah. very present there and interacts with not only her, but everyone in the school regularly. <laughs> and so she has face to face interactions with the Grim Reaper. And he, not even he, knows that she is a witch hiding in his school the entire time. And the witch, while not the most threatening being in the this universe, they are the second most threatening being in this universe. And it's pretty friggin' close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Like, the goal of the students is to kill... 100 Kishan 100 souls. Kishan souls, which they're not quite Kishans. Yeah, like, the, the full-on Kishan, that's the main threat. Yeah. And then the witch, and then the Kishan eggs mm-hmm. i guess yeah there you go yeah, yeah and eggs. so like they which is kill... just cor- a corrupted soul yeah okay so it's like jack the ripper was one of the quiche eggs that they had that's to the kill first one that's the first <laughs> yeah oh wow and so it's like basically evil people that are killing people but and they're like stealing their soul okay after they kill them and so sorry like, remind me again what show this is soul eater soul eater okay yeah. yep. all right and so like the students have to kill a hundred quiche eggs and then kill a witch for their weapon to become a death scythe. And a death scythe is then promoted and wielded by the Grim Reaper death himself. Huh. But they can only get to the point of being strong enough to be wielded by death by doing this task beforehand. Huh. And so, so like, does he have like multiple? He has several. He, oh, okay. yeah. yeah, he has an armory. Gotcha. Yeah, he, he has a <laughs> he has several. Like he has most One of them are faculty. <laughs> majority of them are faculty, yeah. But um <laughs> sorry, it just makes me think of uh Guy from uh from Free Guy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all his blue shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Basically. I mean, yeah. they're not all literal size. I mean some of them are guns, some of them are shurikens. Mm. Crossbow. But, yeah, basically yeah. like Guillotine cultural yeah. yeah, cultural representations, representations of yeah. lethality. Yeah. Gotcha. That makes sense. Yeah, and it's just the fact that she is a witch that is powerful enough to hide her true self and her witch soul from the Grim Reaper as she's standing face-to-face having a conversation with him, and she's manipulating all of these things 
in the Grim Reaper school right under his nose, and he has no idea. Yeah. yeah. That and also the both the original voice actress and the the American voice actress do a fantastic job conveying <laughs> this very nonchalant, seemingly genuine nurturing aspect. Mm. But as soon as the situation is flipped, so she's with her coven and trying to say, no, 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 it's my way. I don't care if you think this is wrong. This is what we are doing. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it, congratulations, I'm now possessing you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's um, like two other witches confront her at one point after their big coven meeting. And like they're strong witches in their own right. They're not pushovers by any means. She completely shrugs them off. She doesn't even move. Yep. Oh, like wow. she had suspected that they were both going to potentially turn on her and planted magic snakes in them when she like she just put her arms around them, like mocking them and had the tattoos on her arms, which were magic snakes. Mm-hmm. slither off and get into their bodies and planted them there. And so when they confronted her and were ready to kill her without even lifting a finger, without even releasing her powers, she controlled and had one snake in front of inside one of them, just straight up kill them and blow them up. And the other one just started wriggling around inside the well, girl and she starts freaking out. <laughs> well, there was several. Yeah, of them true. There, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it starts wriggling around on the other girl and she's like, there's a snake in you too. If you want to survive, you will do what I tell you to do. Mm. Period. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> so it's someone who can come across as just that blatantly genuine and then fl- flip the switch immediately at the drop of the hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, oh. And she's also like got these like backup plans on backup plans on backup plans. Like she isn't afraid to get on the front lines mm-hmm. and should things not go well, she's already prepared. She's already yeah. got a backup plan in place and ready to go. So it's like you could quote unquote kill her right now. And it's like, Oh, that's cute. I'll be fine. Yeah. I, I would go, I would go almost as far to say as she is the anime equivalent of Thrawn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would agree. It's just so well thought out. And it's like, and again, she's not afraid to get on the front lines. Like in the first like really big pivotal moment in the series she was the first line of defense for the bad guys Mm -hmm. she sent the rest of them continuing down the corridor to the quiche where they needed to go and she was the one that's like i will be the one that stands here to stop them well the other part behind that is because she knew it was going to take a sacrifice to mm -hmm. ensure the quiche gets out also it was plainly i'm not in the running (laughs) that and it was also playing into her plan c True. Because she knew that Dr. Stein, in my opinion, the best character in the show, was going to be the only one that could fight her. And mm-hmm. he would send the students off. And she knew that once the Keishin got released, that it plays on and builds up the madness in people. So if anyone has any dormant madness in them, that's going to get brought to the forefront. And she knew Stein was one of those people. Mm-hmm. Not only was he one of those people, but he's also the strongest Meister besides death himself in the academy and so she's like he's got madness i want him on my side i'm just gonna hang back delay this just long enough that the quiche gets released his madness goes bonkers then i get to have my fun (laughs) yep yikes Was there anything you wanted to add? Sorry, I kind of no. You, you covered it. That one. You, you <laughs> covered it and said it better than I could have. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you guys don't mind me, um, kind of jetting in here a little bit. All right, go for it. Um, 
something that came to mind when you guys were talking about how like the the backstory of this character um kind of feeds into who she is that day um for some reason it made me think of like like i i'm on the the probably minority side of this but it it i actually really like how uh the stories that are coming out today of like the backstories of the villains and how they became mm. who they are. Yeah. Because like it gives like some of it is, you know, Oh, I, you know, feel sorry for the, the villain, but then there's others that are like, no, like, yes, feel sorry for them. But also they took this way farther mm-hmm. than they even should have because of the things that they went through. Right. Yeah. And it's like, like I actually really, really like that, like Maleficent and Cruella and and things like that. It's just I, like I think if it's done well, yeah, yes, yes. I, that's what I was gonna say as yeah, well. Because yeah. I I think like like my big issue with the Joker movie, for example, is mm. like I've never viewed Joker as a sympathetic character, yeah. in any way, shape, or form. And so for them to like give this like sympathetic backstory, I'm like, that's not how I see the character. That doesn't fit. Yeah. And there's some characters that are just genuinely evil for the sake of being evil. Right. Yeah. And that was yeah. very much Medusa for this series. Like when it's written well and explained and built up, I'm totally fine with it. I love it because it, it, when it's done well, it's, it's so good to see. Yeah. It's, and it's exceptionally impactful. Or it's particularly impactful then because it kind of gets you wondering like, hang on in my own thinking, if I push that too far, if I lean far too far into that aspect or that happenstance that occurred to me way back when, mm-hmm. if I dig into that too far, I'm just a few steps away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very much that, um, the killing joke storyline yeah. of yeah. all it takes is one really bad day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Kind of mindset. Yeah. yeah. That That's basically exactly what I'm saying mm-hmm. is like those, yeah. those backstories that give a reason why they're, they're this way. It's like, oh, okay. Like that's, that's reasonable to an extent, mm-hmm. but you took it too far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even with that, like all it takes is one really bad day yeah. mindset. That was proven to not be 100% accurate because it's like it took one really bad day, but it also took you lording these negatives from that bad day over him. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. had someone been here to show him the positives or the light, it wouldn't have gone the direction. It right. Did. Yeah. Yep. So it takes it takes one bad day, but also not having someone to that support. Yeah. Starting. Having yeah. that support. Yeah. Perfect. The perfectly said. Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yep. Go ahead. <laughs> well, we tag teamed on the third oh, one. Oh, fine. So. All right. Yeah, so my final one is going to be King Bradley from uh, Full Metal Alchemist, yep. uh, particularly Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, uh, okay. which is the accurate version. Um, or it's the more canonical version. Um, There are a couple aspects to this. So it depends on if you're going strictly by the anime or by the manga. I guess, I guess we're we're limiting this to, to anime. We, we did limit it to anime. Okay. Like, feel free to touch on the manga because that's like the manga only. It, it, the anime is based off the manga, so right? And this like, one's pretty accurate too, right? Um, it, this is where I would argue Brotherhood misstepped in t- retelling the story. Um, so in the manga, you don't 
<coughs> you always kind of suspect King Bradley is one of the homunculus, one of the created villains mm. of the storyline. But it's never really confirmed until shortly to the point when you start to see all the homunculus come together and say, no, 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 now is our time. Now is when we're actually doing this. Yeah. In the, the anime, they kind of tilt their hand a little too far, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And foreshadow it a little too much. Less foreshadow, more telegraph. Yeah. Right. Where it's like, oh, no, no, no. We're, 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 for those of you just tuning into this story, he he's the big bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like you, he's... It's one that you meet very early on. Yes. Very early on. And it's like the initial interaction with him is like, okay, something's a little off about the guy, but he seems funny and strong. So like, yeah. I'm curious to see where they go. And but as you go, it's of- like, oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> like by the end of the third episode, you realize like, oh, he's not believing on it at all. <laughs> oh, like the fact that he's acting benevolent just shows how awful he truly is. He's more malevolent. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Known as the Fuhrer of this world for a reason. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll put it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if if you're thinking the other common word that's associated with that, yeah, you're pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's a... Yeah, he's, he's a dastardly dude. But, um... But while still having control of of himself and his appearance, he's still <laughs> able to play both sides mm-hmm. very convincingly. Mm-hmm. And if you go back on subsequent rewatches, there's so much double speak going on in yeah. any of his lines where you hear it. It's like, whoa, 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 you're telling both your armies what to do here. And you're pitting them both against each other mm-hmm. without tipping your hand one way or the other on who, who you're really with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's semi Palpatine esque. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was trying to think of one of my favorite anime to go back and rewatch because, as David alluded, when you do rewatch it and you pick up on things that you didn't pick up on the first time or even the second or third or fourth time (laughs) watching it, it's just like, how did I miss that? It was right there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's another one of those things like it's, it's tough to get through. But it's very enjoyable to figure out again. Like it's like, oh, I should have seen that coming. I should have seen this little bit of his personality that was just a little bit off. I think one of the coolest things about King Bradley as well, if I may piggyback off of David, is that physically speaking, he's arguably one of the weaker homunculus. Mm -hmm. It's his intelligence and his quick wit and his ability to foresee what they're what his opponents are doing that's where the threat comes in mm-hmm. because his powers lie within his eye and so he yeah. doesn't have the same like rejuvenation and the strength insane physical strength and stuff like that that the other homunculus have but he can see and he's like fighting against one of the other homunculus who like just covers his body in armor and he's like oh there's your weakness there's there 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 perfectly so every single one of the homunculi is named after um, named after one of the seven deadly sins. And I think this is another aspect that kind of is the creators tipping their hand a little bit to showing you like, whoa, whoa, whoa. there's a reason we're calling him wrath. Because mm-hmm. what is wrath, but rage with control. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's, it's very much telling in his strategy and the way that he behaves, the way he conducts himself on the field. Um, and, now that I think about it, any 
calm or pleasant interaction he has is all the more emphasizing that control yet again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you do get to see his anger at points where even when he's talking to other homunculi, they're like, don't you want to go back to your family? And he basically just shows this absolute disdain for his wife. And it's like, I am only with her because that is the mission. Oof. If it were up to me, she would not be alive. Yeah. He's, he, he's vile. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely vile. Um, another, another thing I'll point out about him though, is there were moments in, earlier on in the storyline where you, you contrast it to those earlier points where it's completely shown off. Like, no, 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 he, he's going to be the big bad. Mm-hmm. He's going to be the, the main villain here, where he seems completely sincere and fatherly to yeah. various characters, especially the two characters who desperately want to interact with their father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, whoa, you're okay. I'm confused now. What? <laughs> it's like he saw that weakness and used it to his advantage. Exactly. Part of his powers lying within his eye. Yeah, he saw the weakness and said, "Neat, that's mine now." Yeah. Yep. That was something I was going to point out, too, is like, it's funny how often those um, those contrasts of villains or e- even sometimes heroes as well. But like how a. A deficiency or a. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's the word? Um, <laughs> character flaw, a character flaw will be there their strength as well where like like you were saying like he only has one eye but because so he, the, he, he has, he has two both. eyes he has the eye patch over one eye because that's where his homunculus symbol is or, and so yeah, his second so. eye is just the white eye with the homunculus symbol on it he can still see out of it and the that's flying Ouroboros, yeah right yeah. He, he can still see out of it but he has to keep that symbol hidden because once especially once the other homunculus starts showing up it's like they see that symbol. It's like, oh no, you're a bad guy. Yeah. So it's it's very much like just having to hide that one physical feature that he can't really demonstrate like he wants to. Right. Yeah. Yep. But being able to see see someone's weakness through something like that is just mm-hmm. like that. That makes a cool villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic choice. He was, I think, my first pick on my honorable mention list. <laughs> Fantastic pick, my friend. My final pick, I can't go into too much detail on this one because it's from My Hero Academia, and David is not up to date yet, and this is one I do genuinely think you will enjoy. Okay. And so I don't want to spoil it for either of you guys because I genuinely want your real reaction to this (laughs) one. But my final pick is Dobby from My Hero Academia. Was he given a sock? (laughs) No. Dobby is free! It would have been set on fire if he had been given one. Um, but he is one of these. He, he's similar to Kid Boo in that he's just angry and just kind of driven by rage. But he's on the opposite side of the spectrum where he very much has a plan. And it, it is a long term plan. Mm. Something that he has been forming since he was like a preteen. Yeah. And he's now in like 20s or 30s. So it's like it is a very long standing plan that he has been building up and working on meticulously for a long time. Yeah. Wait, isn't this the character that gets split to kind of almost join the heroes? No. Okay. Dobby is the guy that uses the blue flames. Okay. He's been hinted at where I'm at. Okay. Got it. So with this character, he's 
the the drive and the dedication to his plan is part of what's scary because so in the My Hero Academia world, having powers isn't just a simple use it and you're good to go. It's very much like using a muscle. If you use the muscle too much, it's going to tear and you let, need to let it heal mm-hmm. so that you can build up that strength. It's very much like using your quirk repeatedly is like working out for them. Okay. And so there's actual blowbacks to it. His body can't handle the amount of heat he puts out with his flames because he has blue flames. So he's got the hottest fire of any fire user in this universe Mm -hmm. and his body gets damaged every time he uses it. And he's got scorch marks all over his body from it, but that doesn't stop him. He's still driven to put out massive bursts of attack and just wipe people out as quickly as he can. And the blowback on his body is an afterthought for him. Mm. That is how dedicated and driven he is. Oh, dang. Yeah. And so it's like, he just showed a picture. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like just the drive and the dedication to his plan and his willingness to sacrifice his own body to achieve that goal. And just the fear. And it's like, I wish I could go into more detail because the full (laughs) detail of the plan is just so, so well written. It is done so incredibly well. Um, just everything he does, the drive, the motivation, it, it is like one of those genuinely terrifying villains yeah. that you just don't know what to expect. Nice. And it's like, he's, he's got a plan. Only he knows the plan. Even the people in his team that he is fighting alongside don't know what his plan is. Mm-hmm. And he's there helping them because it also pushes his goal forward. But he straight up told them, it's like, if I see my opportunity, I genuinely couldn't care less about you guys. I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I was gonna say another a mark of a really good villain is is having that strategy, mm-hmm. the the long game yeah. basically. And honestly, again, like it could go either way for for heroes and villains of like playing the long game to plan out the moves, like a chess game of like, okay, I'm gonna do this. They're going to do that because mm-hmm. I know yeah. what they're going to do because I know them inside and out. Right. And what's crazy <laughs> is like throughout the majority of the series until the big reveals and everything with his plan come to fruition, he very much comes across as just completely uninterested. Mm-hmm. It's like he's just there just because he wants to see the world burn with his flame specifically. Yeah. And so it's like, it, it seems like he doesn't really have a plan. And when he's first introduced in the series, he's like, eh, I'm following the hero killer stain. I like his ideology. So I guess, I'll, and I saw him with you guys. So I guess I'll join it as whatever. Like, yeah, as long as you keep doing what he was doing and killing heroes, I'm on board. And so it's like, he, he shows up and seems uninterested. Seems like he doesn't even have a plan. But at, again, as the story develops and goes on and you start to see his plan coming full circle it's just like oh crap he's a lot more devious than he let on and he <laughs> he was far more aware of what was happening in this world than everyone else thought yeah and it's kind of like that counter the polar opposite of endeavor who is like the de facto number one hero at this point where it's like he's angry because he's always wanted to be the number one hero and didn't get to that spot the way he wanted to mm-hmm Whereas Dobby, you just genuinely don't know what's going on. He's just genuinely angry. And it's like, okay, what's actually driving this guy? And again, once they do that big reveal, oh my gosh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've texted 
every friend I know that is watching that series and said, I have to watch this episode with you when you watch it because I want to see your reaction. To this. <laughs> like I already knew it was coming cause I had read the manga. So I knew what was going to happen. Right. Uh, but yeah, as soon as I saw that that episode was up, I've text every friend I know. I was just like, I'm watching it with you. Just tell me when. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> yep. It's in season six. So you got a little ways to go. Yeah. Yep. Same. 100% <laughs> worth it. But <laughs> Well, I'm almost done with my Critical Role se- series, so... Uh. <laughs> that one doesn't technically end, does it? <laughs> well, this... Uh, the the storylines cam- end. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's the fair. campaign I'm on... Oh, no, never mind. I'm sorry, can I just point out that it's kind of funny that the guy who's been bragging about Shupadin-style animes is asking... Asking if a, uh, if a web series technically ends. <laughs> <laughs> I never said I wasn't guilty of the same thing. I just asked, does it technically end? Yeah, fair. That was more coming from a I feel you dog kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs> 115 episodes. It goes long for a while. Yeah. And they're four hours each. So, uh, so, so yeah, it's probably about one piece. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys got some uh, honorable mentions to go through? We oh, have quite yes. a list of honorable oh, mentions, I think. Yeah. I think, uh, right. including my four for the original pick, I've got a total of like 17 or something like that. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't think we can go through all the details of all of them. Definitely not. Definitely yeah. not. No. I'm trying to filter through my like 11. At least one of mine has already been removed because it was David's one of David's picks. So. Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you want me to go first, I can go first. Go for it. So... I'll just touch on some of the really key ones, um, since, like you said, we don't have a long list, and then I'll just read off the rest of them. But the key ones, um, one of them being S-Death, and, like, her introduction from Akame Ga Kill. And the reason that she stands out to me is partly her introduction, and two, just her driving force within the series. So her introduction... They explained that she was sent to the Northern Kingdom because there were some rebels up there and they were very strong rebels that the kingdom was struggling with. And she's like the go to general. Her introduction is her sitting there on an ice throne because she has ice powers, her foot propped up on the leader of the rebels and his entire army just frozen to death. And then she kills him with her heel sitting there on her ice throne and then says, I'm bored here. What's next? And so it's just this very intimidating introduction. And then when she gets to the kingdom, they're like, all right, what do you want to do? What's your reward for? What would you like as your reward? You can literally pick whatever you want. What do you want as an award for doing what you did? And she looks him dead in the eye and goes, I think I want to get married now. <laughs> it's just like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> it's just like, okay, that's not at all what I thought you were going to say was driving you, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> and I will so say she killing all her suitors. <laughs> no, she was killing. She was fighting strong people to see if they were strong enough to be her suitor. Oh, geez. <laughs> and that's like the next part of the series is her setting up a tournament in the kingdom and the winner the twisted Aladdin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is. But like the next part of the series, she sets up this big tournament in the kingdom and the person that survives to the end gets to be her suitor. (laughs) So it's like, I I will say. Riff, raff, street (laughs) raff. I will quickly say 
the anime does not follow the manga. I have not had the chance to read the manga, mm-hmm. so I don't know if her story is any different there. I've heard that the manga is significantly better than the anime, so I will throw that out there quickly. I've only seen the anime, but I friggin' loved it. it was okay. great. <laughs> and what was this one called again? Akame Ga Kill. Okay. And the next one, even you will know. Okay. Azula. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. I don't care what anyone says. Avatar's an anime. If you disagree, I'm sorry. You're wrong. Live your life that way. <laughs> Yay, yeah. I love an anime. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of a fight me type of statement. Very much so. Um, the guy sitting at the table changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the next one was Akaza from Demon Slayer, and he stood out to me because he shows up after this big battle and everything happens and like, like you see him facing off with a Hashira who's supposed to be like one of the absolute strongest characters in the, on the good side in this world and just toys with him Mm. for 20 minutes. And the fight in this movie is animated so beautifully because studio Mappa just does not miss, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just an incredible, incredibly animated, really well shot. Everything was done great about it. And his whole goal is just like, I just want to get stronger and fight strong people. Oh, hey, you're strong and you're fighting against me as a demon slayer. Want to become a demon so we can just fight for eternity? That'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> so just very much this like crazy mentality. Yeah. Oh, um, my gosh. But it's just so done so well, for sure. Um, that is something that will attract me to any uh, animated uh, show or movie or anything is if they do the animation well enough for a fight scene. Yeah. Oh, that's why I love Kung Fu Panda so much. Yes. Like You're... Kung Fu Panda did amazing <laughs> after with the re- combat. After the recording, I'll have to show you some clips of the fight from that movie. Like, yeah. It, uh, it's, just, it's just done so well. It's done so, <laughs> well. Um, so I'll just read off a few here and then there's like one or two more that I wanted to touch on. But um, the next one was Licked from Black Clover. He is an elf that is angry because his entire people were wiped out. Mm-hmm. And so he just was like, yeah, no, I don't like humans very much. So understandable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, then King Bradley, as David touched on earlier, Zex Marquis from Gundam wing. And he is less, I don't even know if he's technically a villain because he is always fighting against the heroes, but it gets, it stops being, I'm going to try and kill you and becomes like, you know what? You're kind of fun to fight. Let's just keep fighting just for giggles. Yeah. <laughs> and they like even switch mobile suits multiple times throughout the series just because it's like, yeah, I'll trust you with mine. You t- I'll take yours. It's all good. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just a- right, t- uh, right place, right time. Yeah. Let's fight. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, another one was Toga from my uh, Toga and Shigaraki from My Hero Academia. And I, I can't go into too much detail because there's just too much to discuss with both of those characters. <laughs> okay. Um, but those are I, I was torn between Dobby and Toga. For mm-hmm. my my four, because Toga is just uh, probably my second favorite villain overall in my hero. Yeah. Um, and then I've got um, Shogo from Psycho Pass. And that one's another one that's very similar to Ghost in the Shell with like the yep. futuristic world and everything. Um, I will touch on this. So like with a Psycho Pass, they have these scanners throughout this world that scans a person's psychopath. And that's basically their writing for becoming a villain. Basically it's reading their mental scale to see, are they in a good spot? Are they starting to slip? So that have they had their one bad day? (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And so it's like, and even if someone is like 
technically fine. They're just maybe a little depressed. That'll register on the psychopath system and say, oh, no, they're about to be do something bad. Arrest them now. And yeah. so it's very much this like dystopian world. And he's one of these people that is... It's kind of a minority report on steroids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. And so he's one of these people that's like, he sees the system for what it is and knows full well that the system is broken, but he can control his score so that it can't actually register what he actually is. And so he seems totally fine based on their systems. And that's one of the key things because the weapons that they use scans the person that they're aiming at before it fires. And their okay. weapons don't work on him because he seems 100% fine. Oh, wow. Yep. And so it's like this buildup and him kind of calling him out and like, hey, this world that we're living in that you are protecting is fundamentally flawed. Huh. And so it's just another one that was written very, very well. And he's just this like intimidating force. It's like, I have a plan and you know I'm right. Yeah. Yep. I have one. I might have one. Ooh. Okay. If it's considered an anime, the Dragon Prince do, is that considered an anime? I would, I would argue. If, that if we're going to count it, uh, Avatar, then yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. That I have creators. one. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I would, I would absolutely argue that that's one. Okay, cool. Then I, I, I will say Viren slash Erevos, uh, for uh, uh, the Dragon Prince because okay. nice. Erevos is a long-standing villain that they're going up against through the whole series. But Viren is the one that uh, carries out the plan uh, in the first two two seasons, I think. Two or three seasons. He is the main bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay. I, I just wanted to, <laughs> wanted to say I, I had one. I saw the excitement in your voice. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Um, so I've just got a few more to list off quickly. Yeah, go ahead. I've got Mahito from Jujutsu Kaisen. Inaru from One Piece. Quickly on him. He was so powerful that literally no one could beat him. The only reason he lost is because he controls lightning and the main character of One Piece is a rubber man. <laughs> so he cannot be hurt by the lightning. That is genuinely the only reason he lost. <laughs> <laughs> he is nice. that powerful that he should have in all intents and purposes won, period. <laughs> he was viewed as a god in this I- island. That's how strong he was. Wow. Only lost because the main character is rubber man. <laughs> um, and then uh Caster from Fate Zero and Gilgamesh from Fate Stay Night. I've not seen any of the Fate series. Fate Zero, Fate Stay Night, Unlimited Blade Works, both worth watching. Okay. Very good series. And then I've got Annie from Attack on Titan Ooh. and Kurio Mato from Tokyo Ghoul. Yep. That's the end of my list. Nice. nice. All right, so while you were going through yours, I went through mine where it's like, yeah, I don't really want to speak too much to them, or I don't remember enough of them, but I remember them enough from the series that they stand out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and actually, apparently a lot of people remind them, so I'll save them for the last. Uh, so first off, Show Tucker from uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Yep. <laughs> if we're bringing up anything FMA, he's got to be on the list. Yep. So he, I mean, he is like arguably the most hated anime villain. Yes. Period. And he's not even really a villain so much as just a character who was vile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, even you know that one because we've told you about that one. Uh, I don't we'll remember have to it though, at this then. point. Okay. But so Show Tucker I was just laughing at something <laughs> else. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Show Tucker, just to keep his status in the world, merges his daughter to his dog. It makes uh. his daughter and dog into a chimera. Yep. Uh. And it's <laughs> not directly said, but very heavily implied that he did the same with his wife. Yep. Several mm. years prior. 
Yep. That that's a little sick. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, show Tucker. <laughs> oh, he is definitively one of, if not the most hated villain in anime. Period. Yep. So a uh, second runner-up for me was uh, Excalibur from Soul Eater, <laughs> not because he's a villain, but because he's so self-absorbed that he's practically a villain because he gets in the way of everybody else trying to do something at all. He's <laughs> technically a hero. Yes. But he is, like David said, so self-absorbed, no one likes him. Yeah. Even when he does show up at the final battle to like give his insight, even the Grim Reaper's like, oh, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's one of those like running jokes where everyone who interacts with him, even the most upbeat optimist is in there. <laughs> it's funny anytime he shows up everyone just gets the same face like <laughs> and their face just distorts into this like uh, this look of so utter funny. disgust yeah. <laughs> uh, so next on the list is father anderson from uh, helsing ultimate okay so um good. so good. and i mean this both in the sense of the original series and the abridged version <laughs> for very, very different reasons. <laughs> oh. Following on with Lust from a Full Metal Alchemist, she's probably, up until the very end of the storylines, she is the primary villain mm -hmm. that uh, the Elric brothers and the rest of... She, uh, I would say she's the primary villain for like the first half-ish yeah. of the series. Until they meet Truth. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. Truth is not truthful at all. Um, <laughs> um, and then... Uh, truth? What do you mean Envy? Until they see the other side... Of the, until they actually show you the other side of the gate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Truth okay. is the That's one right. who actually implants the homunculus. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My bad. Um, so After Lust is a clang from Dark and the Black. Dark and Black is, as far as most general premise, a little bit like My Hero Academia. Mm -hmm. Just, well, darker. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that really any surprise coming from you? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Oh, no, but Clang, um, the way the mechanics work in this world is where if... If someone has an ability, they can use it at will, uh, mostly at will. Mm -hmm. They either have to pay beforehand or pay afterwards to use it. Hmm. More more often than not, they pay after. Okay. Um, There's a consequence for using. Right. Okay. So, for example, it's the guy who's stone cold sober. If he uses his power at all, he has to drink. Huh. Very yes. interesting. So he's committed to sobriety. But because he's trying to defend someone else from this monumental threat, mm -hmm. shoot. Yeah. Shug. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but Clang seemingly has no consequence for uh, his ability. Uh, okay. And Clang's, Clang's ability is he, he can make cells explode on command. Okay. So it, his ability is used seemingly at will. Yeah with next to no consequence that anyone's aware of. But again, very devious, but he's one of those where he comes out of the blue, like, Oh shoot. Not again. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Next one is actually more of a sympathetic one. Uh, Triella from Gunslinger Girl. It's probably one of the most cheery on my list. (laughs) (laughs) That's depressing. (laughs) Um, So, uh, like, the premise for Gunslinger Girl is all of the main characters you're following are assassins. They're all, like, in their teens, all of them female, as the name implies. Mm -hmm. Um, Think of the... Think of the the Russian Sparrow program minus the sex. Right. <laughs> um, it's basically what all the kids in Donald Sunder Girl are going through. Okay. Where they're learning, like, no, you're, you're an assassin. That is your job. That is your life. Yeah. And while all the younger girls who are mostly cybernetic, a handful of them are just orphans they picked up who had, uh, had proficiency with gymnastics or acrobatics whatever the case may be mm-hmm. like cool we can train you quick, quick and easy yeah they all look up to triella as kind of the big sister of the group right in that same frame it starts off where triella's actions to her come across more as the somewhat um spiteful big sister mm-hmm. but as uh, but as you start to see her her arc less as an anti-hero and more as a villain develop, or sorry, less as a hero and more as an anti-hero or villain even. As you see that develop, they start to show snippets of her past and how she was brought into the program. Mm-hmm. You start to realize she was brought into the program as a mercy. Hmm. And she was the pilot for the program. Like, how do we get her out of this but still use the same things that she's had had to learn how do we use this to our advantage yeah. politically? Oof. Uh, so, I mean, as they start showing more of her history, you feel nothing but sympathy for her. Mm-hmm. And you get why she's doing everything she's doing. Yeah. But the fact that she's in this utter, granted, understandable state of rebellion, like, no, I'm done. You also start to realize she doesn't have enough scope of reference to realize the girls who look up to her and admire her as a big sister didn't go through what she did. Right. So she's looking at all of them thinking, you monsters, y'all done it again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Triel is on the list for that. And then the others that are kind of more of, I remember them, and that's why they're on the list, because they're very clearly memorable. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh, Perfect Cell, Dragon Ball Z, Uh, Griffith from Berserk, Million Knives from Trigun, uh, trees from Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, and uh, Kagwa Takeshi, uh, Takeshi uh, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex. Nice. Actually, no, sorry, I'm going to explain on that one a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> so Kago is um, he's one of the weapons designers for um, uh, for the Japanese. Okay. And uh, he kind of has this pivotal moment of wait, my life's work is building better destruction. And so what he does is he sets up this kill switch where if he doesn't log into his console, his digital mind is then uploaded into one of the tanks he developed. Ooh. So the tank is going nuts, and everyone's thinking, no, shoot, it's hacked, it's hacked. Yeah, sort Kinda. of. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's what's known as a logic bomb. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... His consciousness Arnim Zola from the MCU. Yeah. <laughs> His consciousness is uploaded into this tank. And 
everyone's trying to figure out like oh great what's what's it doing what's what in the world is this person doing all he's trying to do is go back to his parents who are avowed pacifists and say i'm sorry interesting so he's one of those villains that will stick with you and is poignantly sympathetic but again gets you thinking like okay what's better mm-hmm. is it better to be he he kind of plays in that dichotomy between being a gardener in a war and a warrior in a garden mm-hmm. yeah um where his his family poignantly believe it's better to be the gardener but his life's work was being the warrior yeah or developing the warrior so yeah that's crazy. very very impactful storyline awesome villain uh, in the fact of he he is the bad guy of that particular story right yeah but you get it yeah it's it's not a wow you're just vile it's more of a oh you're looking for you're looking to resolve everything you did Mm -hmm. (laughs) wow so yeah anyway nice that's it for my list (laughs) i like it a lot (laughs) (laughs) and i understood most of it (laughs) <laughs> hopefully we were able to give enough detail on at least like the core four yeah for each of us to absolutely like make them stand out or explain why they stood out i guess yeah yep. i mean the thing for picking up my slack on some of mine <laughs> <laughs> i mean as for someone who who you know pointedly does not watch anime um i, I want to try to get into it a little bit more so i can you know talk to you guys a little bit more about it but <laughs> Um, I mean, you definitely, you, you explained it well enough to be like, oh, okay. These are some crazy villains. Yeah. I'm lo- very much looking forward to the heroes cause I think that'll be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So I think that'll about do it for, for this episode of two geeks, one noob. Uh, if you guys are enjoying this, uh, this podcast, uh, Please uh, follow and and let your friends know about it. And uh, we'll keep on moving on with this show. And uh, we hope you like it. Arigato dojimasu. Domo arigato, Mr. Roboto. <laughs> Bye.